back like we never left. Wait. All right. Back. Back like we never left. It's double move sports. It's redraft season. You got big baby Steph. You got Alex Lott, the fantasy phenom with me today. And it is officially mock season. This is going to be our first mock on the YouTube channel. We have been in the lab grinding. We've created about every possible roster, early tight end, early quarterback, stacking, going RB heavy to start, wide receiver heavy to start. We've done it all. So we're excited to drop our learnings on you guys today on the channel. We're going to share our screen, jump into the draft board here in a moment. Alex, anything to add before we jump into this 12-team PPR redraft mock? I just want to say I'm going to destroy you in this mock draft. I mean, wow. it's mock draft season. We're, we just hit the draft room, and it looks like I'm going to be at the sixth overall pick. You're going to be at the seventh. So in a 12-team PPR league, pretty standard roster, you know, your quarterback, two running back, two receiver, tight end, and a flex. It's going to be fun. We're both drafting in the middle. It's going to be get your guy season in the middle, playing the ADP game a little bit, seeing who can come back to you if you decide to wait. And it's going to be fun. So um, we're going to be running these all throughout August as we get through these drafts. I know, Steph, you said you know you're drafting this weekend, aren't you? Drafting like These drafts are happening. So it's time to get in the lab, get these reps in for these mock drafts and figure out how to build a good roster. Now we're going to jump into the board. I have not been able to find a more user-friendly drafting experience that can host multiple users than Fantasy Pros. Now, a lot of their ADPs are suspect, not as suspect as Sleeper. Sleeper has by far the worst ADPs that I've seen. So, so if you know a better draft tool that we could be using, let us know in the comments down below. Hit the like and subscribe button if you like what we're about to do. We're about to drop takes, and we're going to drop more takes all throughout this lead up into season start. We're already seeing Tim Patrick go down with injury. James Washington break his foot. So Tough. things are happening. We're going to be adjusting in real time in the Discord channel. You can follow along with us in real time. Join the conversation. Join leagues with us. Join exclusive live streams. But the start of this draft is pretty chalk so far. JT, CMC, Eckler, Derrick Henry, Cooper Cup. I think you're going to see that start in a lot of leagues, especially home leagues where Derrick Henry, I've seen him creep into the top three, top four, top five players off the board in a lot of these redraft leagues. Just to clarify, before we get too, too in the weeds, this is a 12-team PPR um, single flex. We're not going to do kicker and defense. I know most of the time they're going to be there, but we're, we're not here to drop takes on kickers and defenses. Alex, who are you going with here at the 106? And really, my, my question could be better said as, who are you going to snipe from me at the six spot? I actually hate how this draft has started because in, you know, an underdog best ball league, I don't mind taking a Jamar chase of Justin Jefferson around one. There's three wide receivers in those formats. And so I don't hate going with an upside receiver right off the bat, but in this format with two running backs, two receivers, and just one flex, I love starting with a stud running back. And usually if I'm in the front end of the first round, I can go JT or CMC. If I'm in the middle, I can go Austin Eckler or Derek Henry. And if I'm at the end, I can snag a Joe Mixon or a Dalvin Cook or Najee Harris and there's plenty of names to build those rosters with strong running backs, either hero RB or filling out both running back spots in the first two rounds, just because there is so much receiver value in those middle rounds, which I'm sure we're going to be harping on today as we go through this, this mock draft. But I'm just going to have to go with Justin Jefferson. And I, I say that like reluctantly. I know Justin Jefferson is a great player. I'm going to be excited to have him. It looks like the Vikings could shape up to be more of a pass happy offense this season. So I'm going to lock in Justin Jefferson. As my pick here, yes, over Jamar Chase. It just it's not right for me to go with like a Dalvin Cook or a Joe Mixon over J Jets because he really could be the wide receiver one this year in all of fantasy football. And I want that upside on my roster every single week. And the case that I've laid out in our Discord channel and a couple conversations, I'm actually willing to take Justin Jefferson over Cooper Cup. I know that's crazy to say. Whoa. But because of the career start and then further ascension from Justin Jefferson, I think there's still more meat on the bone for Jay Jets compared to Cooper Cup, who, if you look at his career, massive outlier season. He's never put up numbers close to what he did last year. Alan Robinson also never had Matt offense. Stafford, though. So 
It's true. It's true. And I, I'm not going to debate too hard one way or the other. It's pick your poison. I've just leaned more toward Jay Jets and best ball because we have a guy coming out 1,400 receiving yards as a rookie, 1,600 in his second year in the league. I mean, if I'm not going to say progression is going to remain constant, but I, I like Jay Jets as a player. I like the talent. And he showed it right out of the, off the bat. Now, maybe that's the dynasty player in me that's that's creeping up there. But really, we're splitting hairs here that are debating these two guys. Now, at this stage, a lot of times you're thinking, hey, I'll go Jamar Chase, right? The receiver run is starting, but there's actually a running back still on the board that I want, especially in leagues, especially, uh, you know, with the league we see here where Derrick Henry was the fourth player off the board. Eckler was the third player off the board. Typically, we see the receivers go a little bit earlier. I'm going to go Dalvin Cook here just because he is a guy who's typically going in the top five players every redraft league. He's essentially a lock for 250 carries and 50 plus targets. If he stays healthy, you just talked about there's, there's speculation with Sean O'Connor from the Rams coming over to the Vikings that this could be a more pass heavy attack in Minnesota. And even, and the one thing we've seen kind of drop with Dalvin cook, I was talking about this on the show the other day is the receiving production, but nothing else has really fallen off for him. The efficiency hasn't fallen off. So I know he's getting a little bit older, Right, he's well into a second contract, but I'm willing to continue to ride out what's been a trusted fixture of the Minnesota Vikings offense for the last couple seasons. Yeah, I can't blame you for that pick one bit. So see, here we go with the, the fantasy pros ADPs after oh. Dappin Cook is Leonard Fournette at the 108. But for all intents and purposes, like just imagine Leonard Fournette went in the second round and everyone else is like slid up a spot. It's who knows, maybe there's a Bucks fan in your league that will go. Fournette at the 108, but I will say he was like a top five PPR running back last year. So like, who are we to, who are we to hate on fat Lenny there? But after him went Najee Harris, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, Devontae Adams, and Stephon Diggs at the turn. And then DeAndre Swift, Travis Kelsey, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, Steph, you're back on the clock. And this is so scary for me because it, I was afraid of this. It's RB heavy through these first 15, 16 picks. And I'm already getting terrified looking at who my RB1 and then eventually RB2 is going to be in this draft. This is actually really hard between CD and Saquon. All right, so we're in the mid-second, and there's really two guys I'm debating at this point. It's Saquon Barkley and C.D. Lamb. You could maybe throw Mike Evans in there as well. I, I do feel it's still a little bit too early for Mike Evans, not because of the Julio Jones signing. That didn't change any of the ADPs really at all for me on these Bucks players. You certainly want pieces of that offense. I think we may see them sign a couple more veterans before – the season officially kicks off. But because of the RB heavy nature of this league, I mean, just seeing Leonard Fournette go in the first round, we've seen a ton of running backs fly off the board. We saw Jamar Chase fall. We saw DeAndre Swift fall. We saw Nick Chubb go really high. He's typically going early third round on underdog drafts right now. I'm going to stick with the RB trend and focus here because it does seem like they are being inflated. And this is where it comes down to the mindset in your drafts. You don't want to go into every draft saying, hey, I'm going to go triple RB to start out. I, I have that locked in for sure. You always have to be willing to take the value because the value always falls. That's the mantra here in these drafts. So I'm going to go Saquon knowing there's a ton of great receivers still on the board. Hopefully I can get a Keenan Allen. I can get a Michael Pittman, maybe even a Terry McLaurin, Brandon Cooks in a worst case scenario as my wide receiver one, Deontay Johnson. His ADP is falling massively right now. So we'll see who gets back. But I'm going to go Saquon and just bank on him coming back, being the healthy, hyper-talented back that we saw in his rookie year with over 1,400 yards from scrimmage. And hopefully Brian Dable can bring a quicker pace of play to this Giants offense that really hasn't been healthy. Saquon hasn't been healthy. Sterling Shepard hasn't been healthy. Kenny Galladay hasn't been healthy. When's the last time that we saw this Giants offense at full health? And so going into the year, at least from right now, that Giants offense looks healthy. Wanda Robinson's getting hyped up. Kadarius Tony's getting hyped up. 
Kenny Galladay's back and supposedly trying to right the wrongs from last year. I'm not too in on this Giants offense, but willing to take Saquon just because of the upside that he can provide and the fact that he's a lock with pretty much no one behind him in that RB2 slot. I think he's going to get a massive opportunity share in New York. So he's going to be a second-round pick, again, staying in line with this RB thirst. And now, Alex, you're up on the board at the 207. Yeah, this is going to be fun because those are the same two guys I was considering. And here we are drafting from the six and seven spot. And you're going to start out running back, running back. And I'm going to end up starting out wide receiver, wide receiver, because I want to go with CD Lamb here. And I haven't done a lot of zero running back builds this season. I've done a few in some best ball formats, but those are so different and how you want to structure your rosters. But just thinking about your normal redraft leagues, I'm interested to see how this plays out with Justin Jefferson and CD Lamb. Because there are so many wide receiver values that I love in those middle rounds, but this is full PPR. I think CeeDee Lamb is going to take that step forward that we really wanted to see in his sophomore season. Now with Amari Cooper gone, Michael Gallup banged up, James Washington banged up. I mean, it's him, Dalton Schultz, and right now, rookie Jalen Tolbert. So I think CeeDee Lamb is going to be targeted a ton in this offense. Wouldn't surprise me one bit to see him at 150 or well above 150 targets this season. With that being the case, I'm just going to chase that upside. Fingers crossed that some of these teams that have started out running back heavy will start to go with some wide receivers, and maybe a couple of the running back names that I like will fall to me in round three and round four. But let's roll the dice here, go with C.D. Lamb, and see how this roster turns out. And C.D. could be in line for no. a 30% target share this year. He could be in line for that D.J. Moore, that Brandon Cooks, uh, guys that we're projecting for this year like – Mike Evans, like um, Amari Cooper, guys that are these clear alpha wide receivers on their teams, on the depth chart. And if we're willing to take a guy like a, a Brandon Cooks, who's going to get that massive target share, CeeDee Lamb is just that beefed up version of that because the Dallas offense should be more explosive. They have stable QB play and efficient QB play in Dak Prescott. The only risk is that we just haven't seen it before from CeeDee Lamb. So it's that same kind of question we've always had with Juju Smith-Schuster where like, hey, we saw him be dominant when there was another alpha on the outside. Can he take over as the number one? We all believe in the talent, the draft capital, the investment from Dallas. We just need to see rubber hit the road. But after you went CD, we saw only four more running backs go off the board. Javante Williams, Alvin Kamara, Antonio Gibson, and Zeke. I'm sure you were fingers crossed hoping Zeke would fall to you. Yes. And a lot of the stud wide receivers go. And that, that kind of hurts me a little bit. But it looks like my shot was not completely off because we do have T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, A.J. Brown still on the board for me. So I know you're probably going to go RB here. Is there a clear name that stands out because I really hate drafting at this zone with Connor Montgomery. I'm always going towards the acres ETN Brees hall standpoint when I'm looking at the names here. This is really hard for me because yeah, I was hoping for Zeke. He would have been an easy pick. Even with CD lamb, I would have taken both. No problem. But yeah, I'm not in love with some of the names here. If I was going to go running back, James Connor doesn't feel great, but he did have such a strong run at the end of last season was using the passing game. Hopkins is going to miss some time, so he's tempting. But I just – the injury risk with James Conner, we've just seen it time and time again. That's stuck in my head. And someone will take him, and it'll probably end up being great and good for, for them if they roll the dice. But I just have a hard time going Conner here. And then, yeah, the Acres ETN, Brees Hall tier, a lot of young players with a lot to prove, a lot of volatility in all those picks in the third round. And I don't want my third rounder to be a bust. So I'm actually going to surprise you. I'm going to lean in fully to the zero running back strategy wow. from this point on in the draft. I'm going to go receiver and I'm going to make you happy with the one of I'm considering two guys. You're going to be happy that I'm not going to take your guy. Cause I'm going to go Michael Pittman. I know you're nice. probably eyeing T Higgins here. I'm going to go Pittman. Yes. I'm a Colts fan, but yes, I also think he is going to take a step forward this season. I watched all their games. He was fantastic last year with Carson Wentz and a run heavy offense without a ton of volume. So 129 targets, for Michael Pittman in his sophomore breakout season. Another guy that I wouldn't be surprised with Matt, Matt Ryan, if he saw close to 150 targets this year in Indianapolis, the efficiency and the catch rate could come up as well with more accurate quarterback play. The touchdowns could come up. So I'm going to lean in, go Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Pittman here, get all the receiver upside that I can. 
uh, and have three players that easily could clear 150 targets apiece in the 2022 season. And I'm just going to hope that one of those running backs, Connor, ETN, Brees, or Akers, falls to me next round. I'll take whoever's left as that volatile RB1 in this build. Interesting. Now you got me tempted to got to go triple RB just to see how it shakes out. But I'll make the prudent move, the realistic move, the smart move, and go with my boy T. Higgins here. Been extremely high on Higgins since he entered the league. 900 yards with Ryan Finley at quarterback as a rookie. Last year, dealt with some injury, but was absolutely dominant. We saw him in the Super Bowl make some big plays. This is an offense that we're all projecting to take a step up and was already one of the top offenses in the league, as we saw last year from Burrow and the boys. They bring in the three stud O-linemen having dinner at, at Burrow's house. Like He's bringing all these guys in and say, hey, let's build an explosive offense. And this is one of those things where, like, yes, there's a lot of weapons in Cincinnati, but the primary – options when Burrow drops back it's going to be Jamar Chase and T Higgins and I know there's the risk of oh T Higgins is a number two but that didn't seem to impact him too too much last year the thing that really hurt him was the injuries everything else the quarterback play the pace of play the pass volume and even Jamar Chase being there can help T Higgins a bit he's your classic AJ Green Devontae Parker like Julio Jones is the beefed up version but just your big body outside X receiver that Mike Evans type receiver and so I, I love having those type of players that we know are good and efficient on good offenses. After I went T Higgins, only two wide receivers went. So I could get another value on a receiver right here. AJ Brown, Deontay Johnson, the two names that were taken. Mahomes and Herbert both went uh, between the 307 and the 406. Brees Hall went off the board. Travis Etienne, your boy James Conner went off the board. And then a little tight end run here as well. Kyle Pitts, Darren Waller, George Kittle, all going at the 3-4 turn. That's the highest I've seen Kittle and Waller go in a long, long time since I've been doing you know, underdog and other mocks. But let's see here. But let's see who is on the board here. And there's a lot of really, really strong receiver names. So many names that it's actually causing me to look at running back because even if I don't get, let's say, you know, who I would probably take at this point, which would be Mike Williams. It was also, oddly enough, another number two big body red zone threat type receiver. Even if I don't get my guy Mike Williams in the next round, there's so many names that I'm happy with as my wide receiver too, whether it's Marquise Brown, Amari Cooper, A-Rob, Rashad Bateman, who I'm expecting to take a jump up. Even some deeper names like Juju Smith-Schuster, who's been going around wide receiver 27, wide receiver 30 type ADP. So I'm going to make the move that probably everyone in the Discord expects from me, which is I'm going to take Cam Akers. And I know that's probably a big snipe of, you know, on your zero RB build, but Akers is the guy that I love because he got an 80% opportunity share when he came back from that Achilles, even when he wasn't at 100%. Even though the efficiency at a macro level was low, if you go play by play, Akers did have some pop runs. It was just that he was getting a ton of volume and most of it was getting stuff at the line against the top defenses. That's why they're in you know these late playoff runs. That's why they're in the Super Bowl. It's because they're playing the best defenses in the NFL. So I don't want to overreact to some efficiency coming off one of the quickest Achilles recoveries we've ever seen. And I'm all in on Akers and Dynasty redraft all formats because McVay has shown that when he's there, he's the guy. I know he came out, McVay did the other day, and said that he expects this to be more of a 50-50 split between Akers and Henderson. But if that was the case, why did they bring in Sony Michelle last year? Why did they bring in other names into that back? Why were they passing, splitting the ball around so much? Um, you know, and Henderson has proven, like, I think we saw his ceiling last year. And I don't see him being much better than that. Now he was a low-end RB1 about midway through the season. And then we saw the drop-off, the injuries pile up. So I'm not too, too worried about Henderson. And I want that upside on one of the best offenses in football with Cam Akers. Yeah, and I think I'm glad you did that because I was going to consider him with my next pick and it would have been really hard to pass him up, but I didn't want to take him. And I think for your roster build as you're running back three, it makes sense because if he hits and he is this workhorse in the cam makers we were excited about before the Achilles injury, you don't have three stud running backs and you're well on your way to winning a league. But if he busts, you're going to be fine because you still have Saquon Barkley and you still have Dalvin Cook. I did not want to take Cam Akers as my running back one because I want someone with a little bit more stability in that spot with the upside I have at wide receiver. I think I can go a little bit safer here. And Cam Akers, yeah, I saw the comments from McVay. And I think it's also interesting that when he came back last season and got all that workload, Daryl Henderson was injured for many of those games. So 
you could say, yes, Sony Michelle was just as good as Daryl Henderson from an efficiency standpoint last year, but look who's still on the roster and look who's not and look who Sean McVay is talking about. So we'll see. I think Akers is going to be fine. I think there's a very wide range of outcomes. But with that being said, I am going to go to the running back spot because I like waiting on quarterback this year. I like waiting on tight end this year. Uh, if this was a three receiver or a two flex league, I would consider another receiver in a zero RB build. Like DJ Moore on the board would be incredible as my fourth receiver. Um, but I'm going to go to the running back spot. and I'm going to go Josh Jacobs. You probably could have seen that coming. He's a guy I really like and I've always been higher than consensus on. And even last season, it wasn't the the sexiest season ever, but he finished as an RB1 and an RB1 in terms of points per game playing 15 games. The receiving production went up. And now this Raiders offense got better. I think more scoring opportunities will come his way. Yes, they've said they're going to spread it around with Kenyon Drake and maybe even Zamir White, who they took on day three. But Josh Jacobs has always ceded some work to other names in this backfield. So I'm not necessarily concerned about that. Could be a double-digit touchdown guy with 1,000 yards, just a rock-solid point producer in my RB1 spot in the fourth round. So Josh Jacobs is the pick here. I remember when Devontae Adams initially signed with the Raiders – you and I said one of the biggest beneficiaries of that would be Josh Jacobs. So I love sticking with your guns, taking your boy who has shown us that he can be a three down workhorse. Probably isn't going to start that way to start the season. He never really has. There's usually always a Kenyon Drake or uh, what was the name of that one? Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber. Richard. Yes, Richard. Jalen Richard. Jalen Richard. All these names have been in that backfield with Jacobs, but he somehow always continues to finish as a low-end RB1 when you look at his season-long numbers. May not be the most efficient guy in the world. That's why he's going in the fourth round, but you get the stability. You get the touchdown upside. I I love the Jacobs pick. I think that was an extreme value for you at the 407, especially for your roster build. But after you went Josh Jacobs, ton of receivers go off the board. Unfortunately, my guy, Mike Williams, went. Uh, But I think there's going to be some other good names here. Cortland Sutton is one that I did not see go. So he's probably going to be the pick for you or me here. David Montgomery and J.K. Dobbins went. Now, Dobbins going that early for a guy that's probably not going to start week one and then make it the Saquon Barkley treatment from last year where he slowly ramped up as the season goes on. I don't know how in I am on J.K. Dobbins, especially at that late fourth round. He's more of a fifth or sixth round name to me. Just because he's coming off the injury, we've already seen the team send some signals out. They're hyping up Justice Hill. They're signing Mike Davis. It's not game-changing signings that they're making, but it is slightly concerning for Dobbins. I think they're going to start him with a sub-50% snap share and keep him completely out of the receiving work like they've kind of done the last couple of years, we saw Lamar Jackson go, and then more wide receivers, Brandon Cooks, DK Metcalf, Hollywood Brown, Mike Williams. And now back to you at the 506, you have three receivers, three stud receivers in Jefferson, Lamb, Pittman. You just picked up Josh Jacobs. Who's the pick here in the mid-fifth round? It's just tough. The draft board is almost like I'm just following the value so far, and I don't like doing this, drafting a guy on my bench before I even have my second running back spot filled. But I just can't get myself to take a running back with the question marks that Elijah Mitchell has or that Miles Sanders has or that CEH has or even A.J. Dillon. I like him, but I mean, Cortland Sutton for me is firmly entrenched as like a top 16 wide receiver. Call it top 18. So a upper tier wide receiver, two for me this year. So the fact he's on the board in the fifth round is unbelievable. And this is why early in the draft I said I hated how that first round played out. Because if I could swap Justin Jefferson for a Derrick Henry on this roster and then bring Cortland Sutton in as that that flex, I would absolutely love how this team is shaping up. Instead, I'm going to end up drafting Cortland Sutton here, and he's going to start on my bench, which I don't like to do. Luckily, most of the leagues I play in are, are, are fairly active. Luckily, we do see guys miss time here or there throughout the season, so I'll have some depth. Maybe there's a trade opportunity to pick up a running back if there's a wide receiver needy team down the line. But I'm just going to take the value here and go Cortland Sutton. And honestly, with these four wide receivers, Jefferson, Lamb, Pittman, and Sutton, I might not draft another wide receiver the whole time because I think the waiver wire names will be fine for me if I need more depth than that. And I'm just going to start smashing these upside running backs for the next four or five rounds and hope that one of them pans out as my running back two, start to play the matchups and start to take maybe some high-end handcuffs that might get some some pop weeks in there. So I'm going to take Sutton. 
Again, this is why you do mock drafts to see how different scenarios play out. Probably not how I would typically draft, but I don't hate this roster so far and a lot of work to be done uh, for it to shape up to be a contender right off the bat, but we'll see how it plays out. We'll have to drop some takes on some players soon to really spend some time breaking down some of the ADPs. But I want to ask you a quick question, Alex. How would you feel? I know it's early based on average draft position, but going ETN at that 306 for a guy that's getting probably the most hyped up we've seen so far in camp. A guy who was one of the best running back prospects of all time. Was there any thought in your mind or, you know, in hindsight, would you change that Pittman pick into an ETN? A hundred percent. I'll be honest with you. I thought the teams picking after me, the three teams picking after me there all were RBRB. And then there was another RBRB team. So a lot of these teams had heavy running back builds between ETN, honestly, even James Conner, Brees and arguably Akers, I did assume I played the ADP game and I thought one of them was going to get back to me. If I could rewind time and I knew Sutton was going to be here in the fifth as well, I would gladly trade Michael Pittman straight up for Brees Hall, James Conner, Travis Etienne, or Cam Akers. And I would like this, this build a lot more starting, you know, that would be Jefferson, Lamb, Sutton. And then I'd have Josh Jacobs and Etienne or Josh Jacobs and Brees Hall, Josh Jacobs and James Conner which really firms me up at the running back spot. So I'm playing on thin ice here, but that's a great question. And that's the risk you run when you do reach, not reach on a wide receiver, but when you pass on some of these running backs early, you'd be surprised with some of the thirst in these leagues to go grab these running backs. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in like 14 team leagues, deep leagues, tough, even keeper leagues where you start the draft and it's like top three rounds of running back are pretty much off the board already. So keep that in mind when you're drafting in these redraft leagues, but I'm in a place where, look, I went robust RB, Dalvin, Saquon, Akers for that upside. Hope you know whether it's to start the season or down the stretch. I have T. Higgins as my entrenched wide receiver one, and so I kind of get my pick of the litter here at wide receiver. I don't mind the value on Elijah Mitchell at this point, but we're kind of in the RB dead zone that I'm trying to avoid. I went robust RB, so I don't have to dip into that pool of. A.J. Dillon, Miles Sanders, Kareem Hunt, Chase Edmonds, Tony Pollard. That's where it starts to get interesting again. Maybe even Melvin Gordon, super, super late. Ramondre Stevenson is getting some hype right now. James Cook is a great upside rookie running back that you can take who you hope pops down the stretch. I'm sure he's going to be a guy that you're eyeing, only having Jacobs on the roster right now. But I'm going to go with my boy Allen Robinson. It was between Allen Robinson or Rashad Bateman because I, you know, T. Higgins is my only wide receiver. I kind of just want that, uh, you know, more stability, right? Bateman is that upside play. Any production that we're expecting from him is a projection because we just have not seen him do it. Whereas we have a long sample size, uh, you know, great veteran production from Allen Robinson. I know last year was pretty much a wash in Chicago. We can chalk it up to a lot of different factors. We've talked about it ad nauseum on the show. For A-Rob, this is the rebirth. This is the best quarterback he's ever played with in his career. And I just talked about how good I expect that LA offense to be with Akers. So A-Rob is the pick here for me as my wide receiver too. And I'm feeling really, really good about that. I love it. I figured that's who it was going to be. And just look at the receivers coming off the board here in end of round four, into round five and round six. After A-Rob, when Amari Cooper, Jerry Judy, then Elijah Mitchell, Rashad Bateman at the 5'11", A.J. Dillon at the 5'12". And then the sixth, we start with Amon Ross St. Brown, Dalton Schultz, Chris Godwin at the 603. Don't hate that quite as much now that it seems like his timeline has moved up. Could be back in the first month of the season. Then Darnell Mooney at the 604. Kyler at the 605. You're back on the clock at the 606. Still some very interesting wide receiver names on the board. Some upside quarterbacks as well. Interested to see where you go here. So now that I have those, those two safe plays, right? those known veterans that have produced on strong offenses, the guys that you want, right? And something we talked about kind of learning from last year, particularly last year with Evans and Godwin, right? We can all put together our projections for how the season is going to go. But at the end of the day, so many injuries happen. Coaching changes impact game plans. There is something to be said for just going with good players in good situations, even if you don't know for sure, are they the firm number one? Are they a 1A or a 1B? Are they the number two? You just want good players on good offenses. So this, this is some of the learnings from last year that I'm now applying because I missed out on a lot of Evans and Godwin because I had Evans projected a certain way and Godwin projected a certain way. But now I have 
some cushion to go with more of an upside wide receiver. Rashad Bateman was the name that I was already talking about. Judy would have been interesting here as well. But the last one that I really, really like in this tier is Juju Smith-Schuster. Could be the number two in Kansas City. We liked what Juju did as the wide receiver two with AB across from him. Now he has Kelsey to play that role as a, at least the number one receiving option that can give him some breathing room. And Sky Moore has kind of been dealing with injury in camp. He's a rookie. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, we both talked about him, expecting him to essentially retain the same role he had in Green Bay because he never took that leap with Adams. And so I'm viewing Juju the same way I did last year where he was a you know high-end flex or high-end wide receiver three that – at the start of last year in Pittsburgh was behind two other good receivers. Well, now he's moved up in a depth chart. He's on a better offense. Why would we not expect things to get better across the board for Juju? I know the one-year deal is a little bit concerning. That's probably why he's going here at wide receiver 30 on fantasy pros, right? If he had signed a monster contract, maybe he goes a lot higher and there's more excitement for him. But now I can just take that value on, again, another player that we've seen have good numbers in a good offense with great QB play. And now, Alex, to you at the 607, who are you looking at? Yeah, I like the pick for you with Juju. Really gives you a good flex option, especially the start of the season. Gives you upside as well. But at, at this spot in the sixth round, I'm going to start to smash these running back upside plays. And there's a guy I love here. And I think people are forgetting about him. I think people think he's old, especially if you play with you know people that play Dynasty in your redraft leagues. I'm going with Kareem Hunt. Like Ooh. Kareem Hunt, to me, is the perfect third running back regardless of build like if i started with two elite running backs i love bringing kareem hunt in as my number three if i go zero running back i love kareem hunt as a guy can play each and every week people forget that last season he was really healthy through the first six weeks of the season the first five weeks nick chubb was healthy as well and through those five games kareem hunt with nick chubb fully healthy was the running back six in ppr in that same span chubb was the running back 12 if we go back to 2020 Kareem Hunt finished as the RB10 in PPR. Chubb was the RB11. So this is two straight seasons when both of these guys were active on the field at the same time for the Browns. Kareem Hunt was actually the one giving you more fantasy points in PPR league. So I'm not saying that's going to happen again this year, but I'm saying this could be very close between who's actually giving you more points at the end of the year between Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Yet Kareem Hunt is going three, four rounds later in these drafts. So there's a lot of swirl at the quarterback position right now. If it's Deshaun Watson, I think it's going to be a much better offense, more scoring opportunity. If it's Jacoby Brissett, we saw him check down left, right, and center in Miami last season, which kind of plays into what Kareem Hunt does best out of the backfield. So regardless of who's running this offense, I think Kareem Hunt will have value. I'm going to take him here as my RB2, which is rolling the dice a little bit, but in a zero RB build, I'll continue to pile on the upside running backs. And Kareem Hunt, someone that I can start from week one, and start to see production on this roster. We got to start coming up with like a name called the, the Leonard Fournette case study where yeah. it's, it's just the running back in a backfield that gets the high value touches. Aaron Jones, another example of this, this year, right? AJ Dillon could be that grinder may take a little bit of goal line work, but Aaron Jones is set to smash with targets and his own set of goal line carries as well, or at least red zone touches. And we know he's going to have a few breakaway runs. We saw the same thing with Leonard Fournette when he had Rojo competing in the backfield. Now we have Kareem Hunt taking that type of role. We have Ramondre Stevenson hype starting because people are starting to see Damian Harris as that grinder where Ramondre can be the pass catcher and take some goal line. Kenneth Gainwell is fitting into that profile as well, where he's going to get the checkdowns and he had six touchdowns to Miles Sanders, zero last year. So it's the game that you play in these backfields. Take the guy, and James Cook is going to be a perfect example of this. I keep talking about James Cook over and over and over again. I'll be eyeing him in this draft because we could see him be that pass catcher plus goal line guy that's there in Buffalo. But Alex, who are you going with at the 706 after we saw a tier of Hertz, Burrow, and Prescott go off the board? Is it making you think about quarterback a little bit where we have Russell Wilson, Tom Brady's still there, uh, and even Trey Lance is kind of these stud QB names, probably a little bit early for, for Lance here. But I am i don't know about you, Alex, and I'm curious to hear your take on it, but usually when I see Dak or Russ go off the board, I just grab the other one right away because I know there's a, a QB drop-off after that. It's funny because that's my exact train of thought, especially having CeeDee Lamb and Cortland Sutton on my roster. I'm like, I want to complete that stack with either Dak or with Russell Wilson. So the second Dak went – 
my brain immediately went to, I'm going to take Russell Wilson here. But then I looked at my roster and I said, that's probably not very smart because I still only have Josh Jacobs and Kareem Hunt at the running back spot. There's still some guys later at the quarterback position that should be fine. So I'm really torn. I said on our pod we did last week that I think Russell Wilson could finish as the quarterback one in fantasy this year, kind of as this bold prediction hot take. So it's tough to pass him up, but I just have to bolster my running back depth. I put myself in this position by taking the receiver upside, and there's some good names on the board here. Miles Sanders, CEH, Chase Edmonds, Tony Pollard are the ones I'm considering. I'm not going to do that to myself with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, so I'm going to pass there. Miles Sanders, there's been some pretty concerning reports out of camp. I don't know how much of it is fluff with him running with the twos. I know they rotate a lot in camp, so I don't want to buy too much into that, but I'm actually going to end up going... I'm going to go with Tony Pollard here because I think he represents the most upside. Now, if I didn't have Kareem Hunt and this is someone I was going to have to start week one, I probably would have gone with, honestly, Miles Sanders, CEH, or Chase Edmonds all over Tony Pollard. But because I don't have to start this player week one, I think he does have some standalone value and he has the tremendous upside if Zeke does miss any time. I'm just going to go for the moonshot here and go ahead and lock in Tony Pollard to my roster. I don't mind it for your roster build. Was there any consideration there for Chase Edmonds? There was. There was. But the way I think about Chase Edmonds, and maybe I'm wrong for this, I think his role has some limits because of his size, because of his skill set. They have Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle, these guys that can be these between-the-tackle grinders. Mostert, a guy with some speed uh, as well that can be used on first and second downs. And all those guys are probably better than Chase Edmonds on the goal line. So Edmonds could be a pass-catching running back for Miami, but I think not looking for someone as a floor play and looking for more of a ceiling play with this pick because they are my RB3. I just wanted to go Tony Pollard. I think Edmonds does have upside to return on the ADP right here, Um, but I just think there's no world where he's finishing as a top 10 running back where I think Mm. Tony Pollard, if some certain things happen, he could be a top six running back um, if he really takes on a lead role or if Zeke misses a significant chunk of the season. Yeah, he has a little bit of that Leonard Fournette case study that we just talked about, but you're right. We've never seen Edmonds truly be like a red zone hog. We've seen him be a target hog, but we haven't seen him be that red zone goal line type threat, even though he has been efficient. So you're right. And and if we know anything from this Shanahan scheme that Mike McDaniel is bringing over to Miami, it's that they put the running backs into a committee and they run a very specific scheme but I can't believe that I'm about to actually get Michael Thomas here it's at crazy. the 707. Now, there's a lot of questions about Michael Thomas. And if Thomas was off the board, I'd be completely fine to go with Devonta Smith. Also considered Goddard, uh, Russ, Brady at this pick. But Michael Thomas, to me, just presents a ton of upside, especially in a roster where, look, I don't have an actual like clear number one wide receiver. Right. Maybe it's Juju, but we already talked about he's behind Kelsey. Right? T. Higgins behind Jamar Chase. Allen Robinson behind Cooper Cup. Here's my chance at an extreme value to get a guy going wide receiver 31 right now per fantasy pros. I think that's going to continue to creep up as the healthy camp reports continue to come out because there were questions of Michael Thomas. Is he going to be on the team next year? Is he going to demand a trade? Are the Saints done with him? They're going to cut him to save cap space. Is he still dealing with the injury? But he was cleared for camp. He's healthy on the field playing. And I'm getting more and more excited about Saints offense and Jameis Winston. We broke it all down last week's episode. Go check that on the channel if you want to hear more takes on the Saints. But MT is the guy. I love Olave. I have nothing but positive thoughts and feelings about Chris Olave. But this is one of those situations where why not take the guy who could get back into form, could get back to form, I'm not going to say repeat the 2019 season, but at least be a solid, stable wide receiver one for an NFL offense that could be high flying with Jameis Winston. Yeah, I love the pick. And people are angry at Michael Thomas, right? People are mad. And when you were having to draft him in the second round or you were having to draft him even last year in the fourth round, I understand why you'd be hesitant after everything that's happened if you were still having to take him with a third, fourth round pick. But to get him in the back of the seventh round, at cost there, like the upside, to me, the reward far outweighs the risk. Worst case scenario, he crashes, he burns, he doesn't play a single game, doesn't score a single touchdown again. Big deal. Your team's going to be fine. But if he emerges to any kind of form and gives you wide receiver two value even, getting him in the seventh round is tremendous. So I love the pick. But after Thomas went Drake London, Devontae Smith, 
CEH, Russell Wilson, and Tom Brady rounded out the seventh round. That's a bummer. And then to start the eighth, we saw a running back run. I wanted Sanders, even Rashad Penny, or Chase Edmonds to get back to me to take another one of those guys. But we saw all those guys go in addition to Hunter Renfro and Kenneth Walker. So you're back on the clock here at the 806. Steph, what's it going to be? It's down to, to two guys for me right now. Actually, three. It's it's <laughs> James Cook as an upside RV play. It's Alan Lazard, who I've been smashing on everywhere at Underdog. When is it going to get into people's heads? Like, why does he for 43? What is this? What is this ADP? Because this is going to be the number one receiver in Green Bay. The front Still. office has made that clear. Aaron Rodgers has made that clear with a rare media interview at camp. He typically isn't the one doing interviews. He's coming out of his shell, talking to Cynthia Freeland and the NFL Network people. And he's saying, look, Alan Lazard is going to be the clear number one on the outside for us this year. And so that makes Lazard a screaming value wide receiver 43. If you look at where he finished last year in fantasy points per game, wide receiver 43. So we're not expecting Alan Lazard with Devontae Adams with a 30% target share out of the lineup not to take a step up. It's ridiculous. So I'm smashing Lazard here easily and feeling really, really good about it. Yeah, that's a steal. I love Lazard. I don't mind even having him as my flex if needed. Like he's going to get targets. He's a guy who could score in the red zone. He's tied to Aaron Rodgers. It's a beautiful pick. It's an absolutely beautiful pick. But Steph, back on the clock, I am looking to the running back spot. Some of the quarterbacks are tempting, but there's still a tier of like four or five guys there that I'd be happy with. So I'm going to wait that one out. Same kind of goes for the tight end position. We all know my situation at receiver is pretty, pretty sturdy, pretty solid. So at running back, I'm really considering the same guys you were. I think James Cook is interesting. Devin Singletary is sitting there as well, but I prefer to lean to the role that James Cook could have in that Buffalo offense. I also think Ramondre Stevenson is very interesting coming out that he could be in much more of a 1A role this year than the 1B. Like he could be the first guy on the field over Damian Harris. So we'll see. And then I also really like Melvin Gordon. I know Cordero Patterson is there as well. Um, but I just don't think that Atlanta team is going to be very good, but he is going to be used. But Melvin Gordon is someone I had kind of been sleeping on, but he was good last year. I mean, he showed that despite his age, despite what everyone thought of him, he was still a good running back, finished as an RB2, had close to 1,000 yards, was fairly utilized in the passing game for his role. And so Melvin Gordon as my RB4, I think is another player that in this Denver offense that now, instead of being one of the worst in the league, is going to be one of the best in the league could have touchdown upside. He could score double-digit touchdowns this year. Like if Melvin Gordon ended with 10 touchdowns, I'd be a little surprised, but I wouldn't be completely shocked. Um, and then if Javante Williams, I hope this doesn't happen. We hate injuries, but guys get hurt every single year. If Javante Williams missed games, Melvin Gordon would be a top 10 play every single week in this Denver offense. So he still showed he has juice despite his age. I think he is still a good player. So I'm going to lock in Melvin Gordon, going with a couple old guys here for my roster to fill out the running back spot, but I am looking for upside. And Gordon, fortunately, I think has some baseline value along with the upside as a, a quote, handcuff, even though the team doesn't really view him that way. And they have pretty much no one behind Milko. It's Mike Boone as the, the next best option. Then it's Adrian Killens, Tyreek McAllister, Demiria Crockett. Yeah. Guys and they brought him so. back. He was a free agent. They decided they didn't have to bring him back. They could have said, Javante, we're giving it all to you. But they brought him back. And I think there's some weight to that. So um, I, I don't know. I can't imagine if either Melvin Gordon or Javante misses time. I cannot imagine how valuable that workhorse role in this Denver offense is going to be this season. Now, I just caught a complete blunder with that Lazard pick is the fact that Dallas Goddard just fell to the ninth <laughs> round. He was a guy I was looking at as early as like that 606 and the 707 passed up on him for Juju and Michael Thomas went Lazard over him again. In hindsight, I should have gone Goddard because I'm looking at the wide receiver names on the board and there's still plenty of upside names mm. that I like here with guys that are probably not going to start in my lineup on week one, but guys that have ton of upside, Kadarius, Tony, Russell Gage, Chris Olave, three names that I really, really love at the wide receiver position. But James Cook has continued to fall, and he's a guy that I'm really high on. You know, the fact that 
The Bills tried to go out and get Christian McCaffrey through trade. It didn't happen. They tried to sign J.D. McKissick. actually did sign J.D. McKissick for like an hour. Something happened. He goes back to Washington. It's been clear by the Bills front office moves that they've been looking for a stud receiving back. They tried to get that out of Zach Moss. It didn't happen. They want to take pressure off Josh Allen. They already said after last year that they want him to run the ball less. Now, I'm not going to overreact to that. But I really like what James Cook can bring to this offense and essentially insulate me with that Akers pick. If Akers happens to bust, at least I have James Cook still sitting there on my bench. Give me an upside play running back rookie. And we've seen rookie running backs produce as early as year one. We even saw Michael Carter at a decent stretch last year getting 14 carries, four targets per game. I think that's the volume and then some that James Cook could get on a loaded Buffalo Bills offense. And right now, Vegas has Buffalo as the the chalk for a Super Bowl winning team. Yeah, the good thing is I'm on the clock. Oh no! Oh, and no. I want James Cook too. I mess up so <laughs> hard. Oh no! Just take, him. Just take him. I deserve that. Oh, uh, I you're lucky. You're really lucky that Zach Ertz is on the board. You are I can't so lucky. I thought I was on the clock. That's you such so, a wonder. I really want to take James Cook solely just to spite you so bad. But Zach Ertz is a tight end name that I absolutely love this season. I think he, he people don't like to admit this, but he was. The facts are there. A top five tight end last year. He scored more points per game than Kyle Pitts. I know Kyle Pitts was a rookie, but like, and Kyle Pitts is going to be great this season. But Zach Ertz was good. He's in Arizona. Now D-Hop is out for the first six games. They lose Christian Kirk. Yes, Hollywood Brown is there. But Zach Ertz is an integral part of this offense. He's going to be used a ton. And he is the one name at tight end where if he's there in this like eighth, ninth round, I'll take him. Otherwise, I'll even wait a couple more rounds. So you can say thank you to Zach Ertz for being on the board because oh. James Cook will fall to you. Fall to me but one pick later. Easy it was pick. tough. It's it tough to pass on him. Ertz is probably the last name that I feel comfortable taking. Mm-hmm. Like, Fire like Muth, he's like an yes, every week but... start. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Fryermuth is going to have the Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, Kenny Pickett questions, Cole Komet. It's probably another one that I could feel okay with starting every mm-hmm. week, but I'm not expecting a massive ceiling on a horrible Bears offense. Dawson Knox hasn't shown it. They brought some other tight ends in. Hunter Henry's a touchdown or bust. Noah Fant's a guy that we both like. It's just another touchdown or bust option going super late. And then Alberto, I've talked about him Every other episode, I like I like Njoku so. a lot too. Like I know he's buried on ADPs here, but I love Njoku. I obviously it's, it's going to be better if Watson's the quarterback, but even with Brissett, he's a vertical threat. They need receiving options on this offense. He just got the bag at the tight end spot, and they want to use him. Interesting, and and really, there's no number two behind Amari Cooper. It's Donovan Peoples Jones, and yeah. then you're looking at Anthony Schwartz, David Bell, who they took in the third round. So. Yeah, I'm with you on the joke. You being a value, even deeper name. Since we're on this tight end topic, Austin Hooper and Hayden Hurst, guys that are just the clear tight end one on an offense that should be able to at least move the ball. It makes them touchdown or bust options, which essentially yep. is the same thing we're getting from a Fryer move. <laughs> yeah, but after I went with that delayed James Cook pick, we saw a receiver run of Garrett Wilson. Russell Gage, Michael Gallup. Don't touch Michael Gallup in the ninth round. Just don't do it. DJ don't. Chark. And then a, a big uh, upside receiver runner, Ramondre Stevenson, Michael Carter, Drill Henderson. Henderson, we talked about him a little bit earlier when I took Akers. I think he's really, really interesting. And the yeah. 10th, 11th, 12th round should be in that Alexander Madison type range. We also saw Isaiah Spiller, rookie uh, out of the fourth round from Texas A&M that the Chargers just took. And then Mike Gesicki at tight end. Thankfully, I wasn't looking at tight end, but Gesicki would have been an interesting name there just based on the tiers at the tight end spot. But I'm sitting here in the 10th round. Wow. I, I already can't have, Trey Lance is on the board. And that's – you beat me to it. You beat me to it. Trey Lance is still there. I'm willing to take him over Stafford. Maybe, maybe if I had Cooper Cup, I go Stafford over Lance here. But we've talked about Lance on last week's episode. He has the stud yards after the catch receiving core, one of the best in the league. He has the rushing upside in volume. Shanahan's already showed that, hey, we're going to let this kid run the football. He had 16 carries in a game. The efficiency, we don't know how that's going to be, especially to the air. I think it'll be pretty low. 
maybe something like 20 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, and you're one for Lance. I'm really not expecting a ton through the air, but that ground game gives me the upside and get a little bit of icing on the cake if Lance turns out being better than we thought through the air. Yeah, beautiful pick there. These ADPs are falling to you really, really nicely, and that's why you wait on quarterback. Like I would much rather have Trey Lance and Juju Smith-Schuster than Kyle, Kyler Murray, who re- went right before Juju Smith-Schuster, and then one of these flyer wide receivers on the board, like a, you know, a Jacoby Myers or a Tyler Boyd, because I think Trey Lance could finish ahead of Kyler Murray, and then you're also getting that upset at the receiver spot as well. It's the year but, two QB, man. The year two QB, it, it is Hurts, Kyler, uh, Lamar, Mahomes. Year two is when you want to bet on these up-and-coming upside quarterbacks. And with my pick, I'm going to go back to the running back spot. I want to continue to smash these upside running backs. I actually feel okay with this like blanket approach with Josh Jacobs, Kareem Hunt, Tony Pollard, Melvin Gordon. I feel like based on other guys getting hurt, based on matchups, things like that, I'm starting to piece some things together. But I still want some absolute shoot for the moon chances at the running back position. And that's why I'm going to go Rashad White. You know I love him. I know you love him. Might be a little bit early here. There's some other interesting names on the board, but I just want to get it. my I want to get my guy, love Rashad White. If you don't know who he is, third round pick to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We love to see that day two draft capital for running backs. Yes, they have Leonard Fournette there, but Rashad White is a fantastic pass catcher. Could provide a lot of value to this offense. Could carve out a role independent of a Fournette injury, but he has to be one of the highest value handcuffs in the league. Because if Fournette was to miss time, Rashad White could immediately, again, I'm building my roster with these guys that have premium upside, but still have roles and have value independently. So Rashad White for me is just that that moonshot, that swing for the fences that I'm taking here late in this draft. Yeah, I don't see a huge difference between a Tony Pollard and a Rashad White other than Pollard having multiple years on his resume. And Rashad White was a very, very strong receiving back in college, had over a thousand yards on the ground as well. Our biggest concern for him as a prospect is, does he have that rushing capability, right? Is he going to be a guy who can take 15 to 20 carries on the ground and be efficient with those carries? That remains to be seen, but at least we know he can be a stud pass catching back. And that's what you want in a Tom Brady offense. And after you went Rashad White, it was a huge RB run. So you're probably Mm. very, very happy. A lot of these guys. And you got to be happy with that, with the Rashad White pick, because he definitely would have gone in this range. We saw Rojo go, Damian Pierce go, Naheem Hines, Tyler Algier, J.D. McKissick, Daryl Williams, Kenneth Gainwell. And we also saw Olave and Firemuth go. Interesting that Kadarius Toney's still on the board, but I'm not going to get ahead of myself this time. The 1106, (laughs) Alex, who are you taking? It's nuts that Tony is there. But again, because of my roster build, I like – I don't need to go Kadarius Tony here. I can wait and take a, a probably a, one more receiver for this roster with my last pick. It's a shame those running backs went because those are a lot of the upside names I really did want. I'm going to go ahead and address the quarterback spot. I still don't have one. There's a couple guys on the board that I like. Stafford is there. Rodgers is there. Carr, Kirk Cousins, even like a Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, probably leaving them on waivers, seeing how they start off the season. They're going to be some of those streamer names. But I am going to complete a stack on my roster. And I honestly think Kirk Cousins, Matt Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, and Derek Carr are close enough to where I can reach and take Kirk Cousins here. I am fully buying into the narrative about the pass happy offense. I'm fully buying into Kirk Cousins as a player. I mean, people don't realize that last season, Kirk Cousins was a dark horse MVP candidate for a good portion of the season. He had absolutely electric numbers until around week 14, 15. Some things started to break down for that offense. There were a couple down weeks, but he was a, a top. 12 quarterback last season. He even missed a game over 4,000 yards, 33 touchdowns, only seven interceptions. I'm going to go Kirk Cousins as a guy I feel confident in every single week. And if I need to take an upside guy on my bench, a Trevor Lawrence, a Justin Fields, I'll be willing to put up some fab for those guys after week one or two if they pop off. So I'm just going to go with the stack uh, with Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, really build that upside into my lineup each and every week and feel okay about it. I mean, third to last round, getting a quarterback, that's why you wait, because I think Kirk Cousins is a fantastic value. Yeah. Yeah, if I were you, I probably would have waited around just to see, but that's the thing. when It's easy when we're sitting here in the mock draft simulator, and we know that, like, hey, they're probably going to go with these overall ADPs over here on the left. In a real-life draft, you don't know who's going to fall, and we've already seen a couple weird picks like Leonard Fournette at the 108 happen in this draft. So go ahead and just get your guy. It's late enough, 11th round. Just get the guy you want on your roster. 
love the the boldness in that pick. And so that leaves Kadarius Tony for me, a guy that I equate like him and Alan Lazard are these guys that maybe it's not the sexy situation. Maybe they don't have the most proven resumes, but all signs point to them being the wide receiver one on this team. I know Wandell Robinson is getting some hype in camp for his gadget role, for him getting snaps. He's probably going to be on the field to start the year. And so I still like Wandell Robinson as well in super deep leagues. He is a guy that I want to have on the back of my bench, certainly in Dynasty. I want him as well. But for Kadarius Tony to be there, a guy that we saw win on the field against teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and some of these shootouts, he was putting up big, big numbers. Week four at New Orleans, nine targets, caught six of those for 78 yards. Week five against Dallas on the road, 13 targets, caught 10 of them from Daniel Jones for a 29.6 PPR fantasy point outing. So that's the upside. He had another game where he had 12 targets against Tampa Bay, nine targets against Philly week 16. He dealt with injuries as a rookie, but he's a dog. He's a dog. You see the way he's fighting. He's like getting in fights with his coaches. Like this is the mentality I want from just a gritty receiver. Hopefully he can just take over the clear number one spot and have Kenny Galladay really just be that deep threat, be that big body deep threat, kind of play him like they did Darius Slayton. Obviously, you know, Galladay can do a lot more than Darius Slayton, but have him as more of a stretch Z receiver and have Tony as that outside X, just, you know, small explosive separator like a Deontay Johnson. So I love getting Tony here at the 11th. This is it's absolutely ridiculous. You're never going to see that in a real life draft. Uh, and then after I went Tony, a bunch of running backs went Raheem Mostert, Marlon Mack, who is very interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Marlon Mack. Mark Ingram, Khalil Herbert, Kenny Galladay just went, Aaron Rodgers, and then Ronzo Moore, Sky Moore, Tyler Boyd, Hunter Henry. So Sky Moore, another really interesting upside name. Rondo I was Moore, hoping he would get name. back to me. So I should have probably waited one round on Cousins. Uh, it is what it is. Alex, what do you think about Marlon Mack? Because I'm seeing him and Damian Pierce. Like Damian Pierce is going about around to a round and a half earlier in some of these drafts. And Marlon Mack's kind of being forgotten. We saw him be efficient, even though it was in very limited volume in Indy we last year, coming off the Achilles. We saw him what play. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we, we saw him play 3.6 yards per carry, kind of rough, didn't do much in the receiving game either. But I, I think the ADPs make sense. I mean, I, I like Damian Pierce as a guy who could have the lead role in Houston. Maybe it's later in the season because he's a rookie, but I think he also has more upside to his game. He's a decent receiver as well. He's a big guy. He can get it done around the goal line. So I think Pierce presents more upside where Marlon Mack in the 11th round probably doesn't have as much upside, but he is a proven veteran coming back from that Achilles. I mean, it was impressive that he at least made it back to the Colts last season. And, and my apologies on the efficiency. I was thinking about that one game, week five against Baltimore, 9.4 yards per carry, oh, it's five huge. carries for 47 yards. My but he bad did have that. one big game, so at least he showed he has some level of explosiveness. Something. The other games were good. a little bit brutal, but he, he flashed. And now he's another year removed from it. Hopefully that means he's a little bit more explosive. So in the last round of your draft, second last round, whatever it is, I like him just fine as a flyer. He's probably not presenting a lot of upside, but if you are in a deep league or you're in a league where running backs are of huge value, like it can't ever hurt to have a guy who might get 15 carries on a given week on your roster. So I don't mind it, but Steph, we're wrapping it up here. Two picks left for each of us because we're not picking kickers and defenses. Who are you going to go with with these last flyer picks trying to find some upside? Yeah, so we talked about how deep tight end goes, and I think it'll just be more interesting for me to continue to stay away from that position and go back with my last pick, knowing I already have a QB. I feel yeah, I can't believe Cole Komet, Noah Fant, these guys. Like that's why you wait on quarterback. It's why you wait on tight end. You're going to end up with Trey Lance and a decent streamer tight end we'll five rounds Albert later, o. a piece than you could have. You know, if you would have gone even like a, a Zach Ertz. Like I love Zach Ertz in the ninth, but a Gasecki in the tenth, Dawson Knox, Pat Fryermuth. I arguably would rather just have Cole Komet, Noah Fant, Alberto anyway. Like, it's a toss-up for who's going to finish higher. So, I love waiting. And there's two names at running back that are appealing. One of them is Brian Robinson, who's probably going to be my pick here. Uh, as well nah, as you don't Tyr- want to do that. You don't want as, well, <laughs> as well as Tyrion Davis-Price. <laughs> and the fact that you want Brian Robinson means he's the smash pick here for me. It's crazy how much. Antonio I should have picked James Cook. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's, that's see, nice guys finish last, Alex. You just gotta <laughs> learn that. Uh, B Rob, though, like, I don't know. I'm not projecting much for him. The prospect profile is interesting, but had a lot of red flags. He seems to just be like going to play that Peyton Barber role. At least that's what the Antonio Gibson truthers want to tell you. But it's weird that Antonio Gibson's ADP has fallen like two rounds after a Brian Robinson selection, but Brian Robinson himself isn't going high in drafts at all. So I guess they're just expecting Brian Robinson to take a little bit of goal line work, a few carries between the tackles and then JD McKissick to take all the passing game work. But Brian Robinson can be a pass catcher. He's a, a lesser version, but as far as his skill set goes, he has the Najee Harris mm-hmm. who he was stuck behind in Alabama type profile where he's big, but very soft hands not the most explosive runner. He's not going to juke anybody other shoes, but he's a big body uh, running back who, you know, NFL offenses are better for worse. Usually want to give the ball to the big back on the goal line. And then he can pass catch a little bit, kind of like an AJ Dillon that we've seen on uh, Gibson's kind of that way as well. Joe Mixon, Zeke. So I'll take B Rob and whether it's Gibson injury or him actually carving out a role in Washington, I love that as a flyer pick. And it really, I just wanted to drop some takes on some deeper running back food that'd be more valuable for everybody watching. Yeah, I love it. And I'm going to go ahead and take TDP. It's here on Davis Price, the one that you left on the board for me. Just another rookie that has some upside. He was a third round pick as well. He's sitting behind Elijah Mitchell right now in San Francisco. They have Jeff Wilson. Who knows how this backfield is going to shake out? We know the Shanahan running back roulette can always break any which way. Elijah Mitchell missed several different series of games last year with different injuries. So, We've seen that he is, you know, banged up a lot. And if he misses time, it could be a TDP stretch of games this season. Um, And I thought there were some interesting receivers on the board as well. They all actually got back to me, so I'll get to cover them. But before I do that, I want to say Gus Edwards, Stafford, Sony Michelle, Noah Fan, Jamal Williams rounded out the 12th. And then in the 13th, we saw Cole Komet, Van Jefferson, Albert O. Jarvis, and Chuba Hubbard win. So some teams going with that stash tight end. Kind of limiting you there. Maybe you yeah, shouldn't have sniped me after all. It goes around, <laughs> comes around sometimes, I guess. But I'm back on the clock. And I do want to go back to the receiver spot here. I think there's just such good value there. I've stashed some really good upside running backs. I feel good about that. And Jacoby Myers is here in the final round of this draft, which is insane. Marquez Valdez scaling is here. I mean, take your pick on the Kansas City wide receivers. Who knows? Uh, you got names like Nico Collins, who you know I love. I think I'm going to pass on him because, to me, in a league of this size, he's one of those names. Let's see what he does week one. If he has six, seven targets, maybe if his production's like 10 or 12 points, I'm going to go ahead and scoop him up um, on the waiver wire because I don't think anybody else will. And Julio Jones is here. I'm not really that into him in Tampa, buried on that depth chart. He might make some plays here or there, but isn't really going to be fantasy relevant. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and lock in Jacoby Myers. Just go with a, a floor play at the receiver spot. You get a little bit more depth there at an incredible value. Devontae Parker is getting a lot of hype out of New England. But Jacoby Myers likely, I think, will lead this team in targets. Might not have the touchdowns, but he could be a, an 80-plus reception, 800-plus yard player. If his touchdowns regress to the mean a little bit and he has four or five touchdowns, could be a really solid high-end wide receiver three, maybe even a low-end wide receiver two if he gets a couple more touchdowns than we think. So I'm going to go Jacoby hoping that the Patriots pick up the pass volume this year with Mac in year two and let you go ahead and snag your tight end here at the 1307 before we wrap this thing up. Something you should always check, just word of advice to everybody, make sure you know before the draft whether you're required to draft every position. Sometimes you can get away with stashing a couple upside running backs. This is how people were early on names like James Robinson and Miles Gaskin in years past because they just stashed some additional upside running backs that, you know, through camp injuries happening one way or another, the guys get on the field and they get shot up as far as their ADP and their value. So, you know, don't burn your roster spot on a kicker or a defense. If you have to redraft is all about playing the waiver wire. If you play dynasty, you know, that redraft is about the waiver wire. It's a completely different game because you can make so many more transactions in season. And you can tell by the way, our drafts went like if Trey Lance doesn't hit, I'm happy to stream quarterback you went Ertz and Cousins to give you some stability, but you just talked about it where Fields or T-Law flash early. You're willing to throw some fab on them. And every year we have somebody, whether it's it's Justin Herbert or Fields gets some playing time or Jimmy G gets hurt and Trey Lance is thrown out there or Carson Wentz busters out and it's Jalen Hurts season. 
names will inevitably appear at the QB spot and to a lesser degree, the tight end spot where you're really just looking for the touchdown. There's a much more matchup and offense dependent type games. Take the guy who has the highest over under, make it easy on yourself and you can stream the tight end and quarterback positions. I usually like to pick one of those based on the way the draft goes and just say, hey, I'm going to spend a little bit of draft capital to give me some upside in the draft. But honestly, I'm okay at this point just streaming tight end. I am going to take one, though, for the purpose of our show here. I said I liked Hayden Hurst. I like Austin Hooper. But we just dropped takes on why we like David Njoku as a flyer. This is really me betting on, you know. Dang, you got an A. I never see myself get an A from Fantasy Pros. (laughs) Nice. Doesn't really matter anyway. I got a B. I'm going to joke you just betting on Watson potentially playing all year. And there's a non-zero chance that that still happens. The NFL is appealing that six-game suspension. We'll continue to cover it in our Discord channel on the show. Alex, final thoughts before we sign off here. How would you think about this this wide receiver-heavy build when you went smash on running back in you know, rounds six, seven, eight, and 10? Yeah, real quickly, we'll read our rosters. Also, if you're still with us, I want to see in the comments down below who won, Steph or I, in this draft, whose roster would you rather have? So I've got Kirk Cousins at quarterback. My starting running backs are Josh Jacobs and Kareem Hunt. Receivers, I've got Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, and then Michael Pittman as my flex with Zach Ertz at tight end. On my bench, I have Cortland Sutton, Tony Pollard, Melvin Gordon, Jacoby Myers, Rashad White, and TDP. So I think my drafts, I I actually like how this roster turned out. If I can hit on a running back or two with some upside, I think this team can make a really serious push throughout the season. Um, again, we talked about it earlier, but if I could sub out Michael Pittman for an ETN or a Brees Hall, or if in the first round, even where I took Justin Jefferson, swap him for a Dalvin Cook, who you took at the 107, I think I might like the overall construction of the roster better. Might have swapped out one of my upside running backs for another upside wide receiver on my bench. But overall, I, I love the values. It, it's another proving ground for waiting on quarterback, waiting on tight end. Uh, but I like this roster a lot. I think the upside is there. It's just a matter of figuring out that that running back spot and having some guys hit. Yeah, for me, I'd love to see what would have happened if I went CD over Saquon in that second round. But it after changed Saquon, everything. It's, it's a big drop after Saquon. Because Javante Williams, and, but again, we're going back to week one projections that typically don't hold. You want good players and good offenses, but I feel really good about Lance at quarterback, Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, Cam Akers, James Cook, Brian Robinson in my RB room, and then a wide receiver room that's full of uh, some some proven commodities and some upside names in T. Higgins, Allen Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Michael Thomas, Alan Lazard, and Kadarius Tony. You're never going to get that in a real-life draft unless you're playing with a bunch of noobs because that is a loaded wide receiver room. But I also got David Njoku as the upside tight end piece. So there's nothing I, I necessarily hate here. I just know these ADPs aren't super, super realistic. Like, there's no way you're getting Lazard and Tony. you got to pick your poison between the two. Uh, maybe that Lazard pick I should have gone with, a Dallas Goddard, who is an extreme value in the ninth round in this draft. Typically, he's going close to that Jalen Hurts range. But we also see... Did see quarterback get inflated, running back got inflated. And so that set the tone early for us in these drafts. So let the draft come to you, play it smart, and keep rocking with us. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, join the free Discord link down below. You can join in there, talk to us about your trades, about your draft picks, ask us questions, post your rosters. But we appreciate y'all listening and watching, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.